So what do we mean when we say total depravity and how do we come about it? So it's found on almost every page and paragraph of scripture. Any part that has to do with man, you pretty much have a clear picture of uh, the depravity of man. And what we mean when we say total is mean that how far it reaches, it reaches every part of us, the, the breadth, the depth of all humanity everywhere. It's just every bit of us, that's who we are. And it is corporately as in the human race and also individually. Uh, and I don't even know how to say this word, the noetically. I don't know. I mean, I know what it means. It means intellectually, the mind and everything, and then volitionally, meaning the will and emotionally. So every part of us, okay? There's no uh, part of us that is not completely depraved. Um, and... I told, I joked, I sent the, some of the guys a message that said, I've been trying to find an exhaustive list of scripture on the depravity of man, total inability. And I said, it literally starts in Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God. We're not God. We're not able. We are not to his standards. So it literally starts in the very beginning. Uh, but we're going to... Um, Look at a few, if you will, y'all can go ahead and be looking at, or open your Bibles to Job. Job and John 3, I know I have for y'all to look up, but the, most of them I got on here. But Job, uh, I think the first one's chapter 4 in Job, but we're going to look at a few of them there. So Job, starting Job 4 and then John 3. So here's one that uh, really speaks to us. Genesis 6, 5 here on the screen. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth and that every intent of their thoughts, of their hearts, was only evil continually. So there is a whole lot of um, uh, time constraints there and uh, dealing with what parts of our human body, human mankind there is. So every intent, there's not one lacking of their thoughts. Their hearts are only evil continually. There's nothing else about mankind. He saw their wickedness in mankind was great, and this is what he sees in us. And it's right. I mean, there's no... Shouldn't be any argument here. If you really sit down and think about who you are, at least before Christ, um, this should all be like, yeah, that's exactly who I am. I'm complete. I had evil thoughts. I know we want to say, oh no, we, I was, I was good. You know, Mama would say, you bet you were a perfect child, Cody. How could you say that you were bad? Well, I knew my heart. I knew my thoughts and, you know, what my heart wanted, I, I'm evil. I mean, that's it. Um, go to, uh, so Job 4, uh, 17 is the first one. These are just going to be short verses that we're going to look at. Uh, and then John's going to be kind of a longer. 4, 17 says, Can mankind be just before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? And if we look at that and say how holy God is, how right He is, righteousness all the time, holiness, 
I mean, no. We can never go to God and say, I'm on your level. There's no way of doing that. Uh, look at Job 14, 4. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. We are unclean and we cannot make ourselves clean. Uh, that's chapter 15, uh, 14 through 16 says, What is man that he should be pure? Or he who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, man who drinks iniquity like water. So he says, if even the heavens are not even pure in his sight there, the, what about man and all their evil deeds? How depraved are they? Man who drinks iniquity like water. That's pretty clear pictures of how God uh, sees mankind. Verse, or chapter 25. 4 through 6. Yeah, 25, 4 through 6 says, How can a man be just with God? Or how can he be clean, be clean who is born of woman? If even the moon has no brightness and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man, that maggot, and the son of man, that worm. I mean, it's a pretty clear picture as to our standing before God. I don't, um, Job especially don't make no bones about it. We're maggots, worms before a holy God. We cannot live up to that standard. Um, so, going on, Psalms 14, 1 through 3. Uh, it says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed detestable acts. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of mankind to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They are they have all turned aside. Together they are corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So this kind of brings into the whole uh, collectively, together they are corrupt, and individually they're corrupt. All mankind together is corrupt. And individually there's not a single one that is good. Okay. If y'all have any questions or anything, y'all can write them down. We'll ask Joey next week. So, <laughs> Ecclesiastes seven twenty says, "Indeed, there is not a righteous person on earth who always does good and does not ever sin." Now, I put these in orange. I guess they are italicized. Those are not in there. Okay. So if we take those out. From the, in the Hebrew, they're not there. It says, so, indeed, there is not a righteous person on earth who does good and does not sin. 
Seems like they try to soften the blow whenever we put in always and ever. But no, there's not a righteous person on earth. There's not a single person that can hold to it. Matthew 12, 34 says, You offspring of vipers. He's speaking to the religious people here. The ones that were trying what they thought to hold to scriptures, hold to the law. You offspring of vipers, how can you being evil express any good things? For the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. Luke eleven thirteen says, So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So this kind of makes a comparison that says, Hey, look at how evil you are, but you still try and give good things to your kids, right? Even being as evil, depraved, corrupt as you are, you try to do good. But now, let's think about God and how He is righteous and holy. You don't think He's going to exceed everything that we could even ask of Him? Because there is no evil in Him. Um, go ahead and turn to John 3. Okay, we'll hit a couple more and then go to total inability here. Anybody qu questions so far? Everybody feeling good about themselves right now? You know, I'll tell you, I'm a good encourager. Okay. I, so I'll tell you this. I had a, whenever I left or was in the process of leaving Korea, but at the end of the school year, I tried to kind of give them one more, for every one of my classes, a, uh, Kind of a gospel presentation almost, but just try to get re real with them basically and talk to them. Um, and it was my eighth grade class. Uh, really fun class. I've ha I had had them since they were in sixth grade, so I'd had them all three years. Uh, and one of the girls was new and stuff, and a lot of them had been there all three years. But I told them, I said, guys, listen, I know we've had good time and everything, and, you know, we've picked at each other, made fun of each other stuff. I said, listen, I really don't care if y'all remember anything about me when I leave here. I said, all I want you to know is Christ and Him crucified. And I went through the whole spiel. I said, and here's the reason, because there's nothing good in me. And one of the girls, she, her eyes just lit up because, you know, they're, most of them are Buddhist uh, or know the Buddhist religion and stuff too. But I said, there's nothing good in me. And they're like, how can you say that? I'm like, because I know me. And everything that's Cody is evil, bad, wicked. Only Christ is the only thing that's good about me. And that's what I want y'all to know. And they were all just like, I mean, could not wrap their heads around it. And so, but once again, I said, guys, we're evil humans. I mean, we cannot do good 
apart from Christ. So there's nothing good about Mr. Anderson. Forget his name. Just remember Christ and him crucified and went through the whole spill with him. But um, anyway, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, um, we did that one. So John 3 says, uh, let's just start in the very beginning uh, because we're going to hit it in a little bit anyway. And it says, uh, John 3, verse, um, we can start verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's kind of, where did that come from? Jesus, I mean, I really wasn't what I was talking about, but okay. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now that is... That's a huge thing because we are born in the Spirit. That means wicked, corrupt, evil, all of those top narratives, right? And that's all we can ever be in the flesh alone, okay? Those that are flesh, they stay flesh. They stay evil. They stay wicked. But those that are born in the Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed I said... Uh, do not amaze I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, uh, and you hear the sound of it, but, um, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So, that being said, evil cannot do anything. And those that have the Spirit, really, they can't produce that of themselves. And they really don't know, even know where it comes from in the beginning. Okay? Because God has to act first into us. We're never going to seek after God without God first putting it in our hearts to seek after Him. The Spirit's going to have to convict before we actually start any type of pursuit of God. Um. Um, I guess we can skip on over um, to verse 19. Y'all know the story. Um, go to 319. It says, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Once we understand, I think, this about mankind, it's a whole lot easier to understand the world being in the state that it's in. Right? When somebody says, well, I don't know how Dustin could do that. He's human. I mean, there's nothing good in him other than Christ, and when he's acting in the flesh like Dustin does, it's easy to believe, right? I mean, if we really understand it, it is the biggest miracle ever 
that Christ could take something that is evil, corrupt, no desire to be good, no desire to be righteous, and give us the mind of Christ to where we, at that point, can start trying to do good. I mean, it's... I mean, it, that is truly a, a miracle in and of itself there. Um, Matthew 15, 19 through 20 says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, acts of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, and slanderous statement, slander statements. These are the things that defile the person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the person. But this is what we're talking about. I'm, people murder because they are murderers. Okay? People commit adultery because they are adulterers. Thieves steal because they're thieves. Okay? It's not the act that then makes them into that. No. And that's when we talk about, um, when a few years, or well, for a while now, you know, homosexual, they're all like, well, I was born that way. You're exactly right. You are born sinful. You are born evil. And it's just by the grace of God that I don't pursue those sins. That's, all, that's the only difference. You're living in a sin that you want to because you're evil and corrupt just like the rest of us. Okay? That's exactly who you are. But by the grace of God, we can be different. And that's the only way uh, we can be different. Um, and w I know we've been talking about this for a while now, about it being Adam is the reason why we are. And so that's what we're going to look at now. So everybody understand how depraved you are? How evil, corrupt, everything you are, at least before Christ? All mankind, completely evil. In and of yourself, in the flesh, you're completely evil. There's nothing good about you. So let's talk about total inability. Now that says, I am horrible, so how could I ever, ever come in contact with God? How could I ever go into His presence? Because I'm evil. Even now, I don't know if y'all realize, but even now, when we pray, our, we can't go straight to God with our prayers. Okay? It has to go through our mediator, Jesus Christ. Okay? So it goes from us through Jesus to God because we're still in the flesh. We still have, I mean, I can, I've prayed at night and fell asleep. I'm like, how, how does that work? I'm like, I hope Jesus took care of all that. I feel like my jabbering and stuff goes through Jesus and he presents it to God because he is, I mean, I'm not worthy to go before God even in my prayers. Okay. Only way I can is through Christ. Um, so total inability. Adam had free will in that he was not under the dominion of sin. He could choose good. Okay? He had that ability. I don't know what that's like, but he had that ability to choose good and do good. Okay? But we know Adam chose sin, and therefore the dominion of sin rules over man. We no longer have the ability to choose good because... We are not 
good. Remember, God makes man. He loves that and says, it's good. That was it. That was the last time. Okay. Um, our sin nature renders us without the ability to choose good over evil. Man's will is in bondage to his sinful nature. We are no longer, we no longer have a free will to do good because now it is in bondage to sin. Okay? And there's a couple of texts that comes up about that, and one is Jeremiah 13, 23. This talks about the inability. It says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leper his spots? Then you as well can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Is that just as much as the leopard can change his spots and the Ethiopian can change his skin, you can do good. And one of the illustrations they used was, this is like say, taking a, a, uh, a blind person to an art gallery or a uh, deaf person to a symphony. That's useless. There's no point in it. But I thought that's not even a good illustration because at least the blind person can maybe feel the texture or at least the deaf person can feel the vibration, at least get something out of it. There's nothing you can do to be good. You have no ability in yourself to do good. And my favorite illustration, though, is, you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of people, when they talk about their testimony, they talk about, and it sounds like they've done God a favor of choosing Him to live for Him or something. And I'm like, you don't realize you were dead on the, in the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean floor, right? And you know what dead people do? Dustin, who, much, who better to talk about dead people? What can dead people do? Nothing. You're dead on the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean floor. You can do nothing to help yourself. You can do nothing to save yourself. You're dead. The only way is if God intervenes. God has to reach all the way down to the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean and pull you to Himself. That's it. So, 1 Corinthians 2, 14-16 explains a little bit of this. It says, But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the one uh, who is spiritually discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Now, um, looking at this verse, the do not accept is like, almost like a welcoming thing. Like they just don't accept it, right? Here, if it sounds good, say, but a natural person does not accept it. Well, maybe we can force it on them, right? If they don't accept it, we'll just beat them to death with it. But then it goes on even farther. It says, no, they can't even understand it. No matter if they're not willing to accept it, and even if you want to beat it into them, it doesn't matter. 
because man in and of themselves cannot understand. They can't. So that person on the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean floor, even if we could reach them, they wouldn't accept it. Or they wouldn't even understand that we're there to help them. They're dead. They can't do any of that. But notice there at the, the end of verse 16, very bottom says, but we have the mind of Christ. That's the only way that we can even know God. It's because God in Himself reaches down, saves us, and gives us the mind of Christ so that we can know Him. We're completely dead, no ability, completely, totally deserving of wrath. We are depraved in all areas but God. Go to Ephesians 2. Dead in trespasses and sins. Dead people can't do anything. 2-4, but God. Complete inability. Um, I do want to read, it was a lengthy quote, so I didn't want to put it on here. Um, the last part of this, uh, if I can find it. And I don't know who these people are that he's quoting. Never heard of any of these guys. Um, but he says this, This sin is not merely an acquired habit, which they might give up at any time they choose to do so. They can relinquish their sinful nature as little as the Ethiopian can rid himself of his skin or the leopard his spots. Ever since Adam's fall, all children of Adam are, like their father, sinful, every imagination of thoughts of their hearts being only evil continually. To make man willing to yield himself to God and his members as instruments of righteousness unto God is a miracle even greater than the changing an Ethiopian skin and a leper's spots, a miracle possible only to the almighty grace of the Lord Jehovah. It is a true miracle that mankind could ever know Jesus, know God, have a relationship with God, be conformed to the image of His Son. I mean, it's, it's the most miraculous thing that we could ever even imagine. So, all right, everybody good?